Welcome to the Pastor Jay Podcast. I'm Pastor Julia Stevens, Pastor Emeritus of Word of Faith Christian Church here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, I want to welcome you to today's uh, broadcast. I believe we have an exciting word for you today. And uh, I believe that uh, uh, we're going to share some things that's going to build your faith, starve your doubts, uh, maybe answer some questions that uh, you may have had about the things of God, but to encourage you, uh, just uh, like the old folks say, keep on keeping on. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. And as always, whether you're watching, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, please hit like or share. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. And um, let's go and let's uh, get in today's lesson. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you. What a joy, honor, and privilege it is to uh, share your word. And Father, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding as we go through today's lesson. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, again, we've been talking about the heart of God. The heart of God is kind of the big umbrella uh, that we're sharing this. And, and when we talk about the heart of God, we're talking about the way God thinks. Because uh, what Jesus came to earth to do was to get us. He was God in the flesh, God walking the earth. And what he wanted us to do uh, was to think like God, to see the world, his the world through God's eyes, God's worldview, to have the same value uh, that God gives people, to get an understanding of people through God's eyes, and to get an understanding of ourselves. And so that's what we're in been endeavoring to do. And today we're going to go a, a little further and uh, we're going to talk about the significance. We've been kind of going around it, but today I really want to focus in on the significance of Jesus Christ in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, understanding who he was, the significance and how he should be affecting our lives. You know, uh, the way that I advertise today's lesson is that Jesus is more uh, than just a get out of hell free card. And I remember early on when um, I, I really began to focus on following Jesus Christ and <clears throat> we would go out and we would do what we call evangelizing. And the question that we would ask people is, where are you going to spend eternity? Or where will you spend eternity? And like, well, I don't know. Well, well, let me share with you a, a, a way that you can know where you would live after you die, that we can make sure that you go to this place called heaven and not hell. And so we would share and people would say, okay, I'd rather go to heaven than not hell. Okay, then confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and of course, they go through what we call the sinner's prayer and, and they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it was like, woo, you're in, you're in, you're on your way to heaven. The old folks used to say, I'm sending up my timber for heaven. And the focus of Christianity or my early theology was that following Christ was 
the way to get to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, they thought Jesus was saying, no man can get to heaven except through me. I find out that when Jesus said that in John 14, 6, I believe he was saying something totally different than I'm the way to heaven. But that's basically how we have approached uh, Christian theology. Theology is that the focus of Christianity is not Jesus Christ. The focus of Christianity is not going to hell and going to heaven. I'll say that again. The main focus, the foundation in which Christianity is built on is the belief that if you follow Christ, you will go to heaven and not go to hell. And so as we build the, the, the house of Christianity on this foundation of make sure you don't go to hell, make sure you don't go to hell. And we come to find out that Jesus did not come here as a free ticket out of hell, that Jesus came here to show us how to live on the earth that the focus of his ministry and all the things that he said was not to get you to heaven, but to show you how to have heaven on earth. You know, in what we call uh, the Lord's prayer, uh, what is it? Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Watch this now, that thy will be done, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that God said, Jesus said, pray that the will of God in heaven be done here on earth. And so his ministry, as Jesus began to share and to teach, he was not saying, I'm telling you this so that you could go to heaven and so that you uh, can miss hell. He was saying, I'm sharing all of this so that you would know how to live on the earth. Uh, in Hebrews 10, 20, they call it a new and living way. And, you know, we've talked about this in times past, that you no longer, we talked about this last week when we talked about the transformation of the apostle Paul, is that we're no longer living under the old covenant. We're no longer living under the Mosaic law. We're living under a new covenant. And Hebrews says, a new covenant with better promises, not to get you to heaven, but to show you that you can live a much better life here on earth. So the question is, why, why really did Jesus come? Did he come just to say, uh, follow me and you can go to heaven and not go to hell? Or did he come to say, look, follow me and I'll show you a better way to live life on the earth? Let's start out in 1 John 3, uh, 7 and 9. The question is, why did Jesus come? And it says here, I believe this, this answers it. In 1 John 3, 7 and 9 says, Little children, let not one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who sins influence is influence of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, because of the darkness that the devil has brought on the earth, because of the darkness that is in the earth, he says, for this purpose, the Son of God, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, 
for his seed or his righteousness remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And when it's talking about a person not being able to sin, he's talking about that you cannot live this habitual sin life without any conviction, without feeling any need to change if you have been born of God, that once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there comes on the inside of you the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 11 says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. And now you can no longer just continue to do things that are ungodly without them bothering you, without there being some conviction about you to change. And he's saying that if you just continue to do these things, that are ungodly, that's not part of the will of God for your life, and it doesn't bother you. There's no, you you sense no need to change. The question, you have to question whether or not you really know God, because this purpose, for this purpose, Jesus came to give us power over the darkness. I want us to get away from thinking that this is just a free ticket out of hell. No. <laughs> A lot of us are living hell on earth, and we get further down in the study. We're gonna deal with we're gonna deal with uh, hell, okay? But for this purpose, I mean, a lot of us are, have lived hell, or have been in hell, or we're coming out of hell right here on planet Earth. And he's saying, "I'm giving you power. I want you to follow me." Luke ten nineteen. I give you power. Power over what? Serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you the authority. Uh, in other words, you get to say the last word. You get the last word. Authority means the one who gets this, the last word, that you will get the last word over what happens in your life, that evil and darkness cannot rule over you because that's what I came here for so that you can have power. That's why I call you the light of the world. That's why I call you the salt of the earth is because I'm giving you power over the power of darkness in your life. And that's why I came. Jesus is the presentation, the representation of God on the earth. And what we should really focus on is making everything that we know about God filter through the life of Jesus Christ. How Jesus Christ walked the earth. Uh, the Bible says in John 1.18 says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him or he has shown him. He has revealed him. Said no one has seen God. But when you see Jesus Christ, you are looking at God walking the earth. And it's very interesting if you look at the earthly life of Jesus Christ, and then we look at what we believe is God operating, especially in the Old Testament. God is portrayed in the Old Testament as this violent, angry, revengeful, of retribution that God is God will kill anything that gets in his way and that's as we read those Old Testament stories uh, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah they were so wicked and God uh, sent 
fire down and, and he killed all the men, women, boys, and girls, everybody in God killed them. That's the way they wrote it. Then in Noah's day, God just wiped out everybody on the planet, uh, North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Africa, Antarctica, all the all of the um, continents of the earth that everybody everywhere. God was so angry and so pissed off at man that he just sent a flood and he wiped out the whole world except eight people. That's the way we portray God. And that's the way any God has these chosen people called the Jews. And if anybody come against the Jews, God kills them. He killed, he killed Pharaoh army. And this God is constantly killing, 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 killing. And then Jesus shows up because that's what they were waiting for. And I've talked about this in times past, that, that when the Jews thought that their Messiah, their, their king would come, the one that was prophesied, they thought he would come with an army. And since God is a killer, well, when the son of God walked the earth, surely he would be a killer. And Jesus shows up and they said, let's kill somebody. Luke chapter nine, when they, uh, James and John wanted to kill the Samaritans because they didn't want to hear Jesus preach. And they said, let's rain down fire and kill them. Jesus said, kill? What makes you think I want to kill somebody? This is God walking the earth. What makes you think I want to kill somebody? Well, well, that's what God had Elijah do. He said, I don't, I don't kill. Wait a minute, God kills. And if you're God, why don't you kill? Because maybe God doesn't kill. Maybe you all got it wrong. Maybe the writers of the Old Testament got it wrong. Maybe they were saying God was doing things that God really wasn't doing. Because I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not. Jesus said, I'm not even going to kill the people that are killing me. These people have crucified me. Uh, they beat me with a cat of nine tails. They got me, uh, what they say, uh, lifted, hung him wide and, and all of that. I forget how they say it. But he's, he, he's lifted on the cross. He got nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he said himself, if I wanted to get out of this, I could call on 12 legions of angels to come down and wipe everybody out. But I'm not a killer. I didn't come to kill man. I came to save man. That's what it says in John 3, 17. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But John 3, 17 says he did not come to condemn the world. Condemn means to reduce your value to zero. And when once you reduce a, a human life, their value to zero, it's easy to kill them now. We see it every day here in this country, people reducing someone's life to the value of zero, and then they can kill him. He says, I'm not like that. I came to add value to people, not take value away from people. I want to give you a new way of living, a new way of looking at things. But if you're God, you're supposed to be a killer. He says, I'm not a killer. I'm not killing anyone. They brought him the woman that was caught in adultery. And they said, our law, it's written in our Bible. We talked about this in the past, that you can, you have to rightly divide the written word. And Jesus is the standard for really interpreting the Bible. That Jesus, and if it doesn't line up with the life that Jesus lives on the earth, we have to question. We have to question, not that it was truly stated, but is that a statement of truth? 
that God did all of that. The difference between something being truly stated and something being a statement of truth. Okay, uh, you can you can be at a meeting and you can say all dogs have five legs. And somebody else can come back to the meeting and say, well, what was said at the meeting? Well, this person got up and said, all dogs have five legs. Well, that is truly stated. Somebody did say that at the meeting, that all dogs have five legs. But is that a statement of truth? No, dogs have four legs. And a lot of things in the Bible may be truly stated, but you have to rightly divide whether or not it is a statement of truth. They called Jesus a devil. They called him Beelzebub, a devil. They called him a false prophet. They said he wasn't the son of God. That's truly stated. They did say that. But was that a statement of truth? No. And we have to now go back and look at that Old Testament and see, is that really God? Those things that they said, because when Jesus showed up and he said, I'm going to show you God. He was not the killer. And even when we say Jesus is coming back, how is he coming back? He's coming as a killer. Well, if he didn't come the first time as a killer, what makes us think he's going to come back uh, as a killer the second time? And this time uh, he's going to burn everybody else up except the few followers that are following him. Everybody else is just going to get burned up, throw them in a pit, set them on fire, and he's going to sit there and watch them torment, yell and scream, gnashing and wailing, and he's going to listen to them throughout all eternity. Huh. Why did Jesus really come? He came to show us a better way of living on the earth. Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. We talked about this in times past in John chapter 14. He said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, what did Jesus teach? What was God teaching us? He said, uh, John 5, 44, I want you to love your enemies. Oh man, that was so different than what the Jews had believed. He said, I know what Moses had taught you all, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Whatever someone does to you, you do the same back to them or worse. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Why? Because we're not killers. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Then you will show the world that you are truly a child of God. Why? Because you're not violent. You're not angry. Forgive people that hurt you. Why? Because the, the followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, we're not violent, angry people. We come with peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world knows. I want you to know peace. Peace is an undisturbed state of mind. Your mind is disturbed when you're angry. Your mind is disturbed when you're bitter. Your mind is disturbed uh, when you're jealous. Your mind is stirred, disturbed when you want to get revenge on somebody. You have a disturbed mind. In fact, I heard one person call anger as, call, as being temporary insanity that once you get angry, you are temporarily insane. 
Why? Because you do things that are insane. You do things without reason. You do things without logic. You do things without looking beyond your actions in the immediate moment to understand the far-reaching effect of what they're going to do to not only your life, but those who that you are going to hurt. Jesus said, I come to show you a better way. I like what he says um, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, that's where uh, Paul is explaining that we're all baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. And uh, he talks about, which was a big switch for Paul. Paul talks about the whole world being a part of Jesus Christ, where he had come from a belief of Judaism, where only the Jews were really a part of God. But now he has made this monumental switch in the way that he's how he saw God. Once he encountered Jesus Christ, he saw God totally different. And he says, now the body of Christ has many different members but all one body. And he makes an, makes an analogy to the physical body. And he says that I can't say to, to the hand, I have no need of you because if you understand your physical body, you know you need all the parts to make a whole body, to make a, a, a functioning body. And he says, so it is with the people, the many different types of people that we have in the body of Christ. Another play, he said, there's no difference between uh, the Jew or the Greek huge to say that, that there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek, the male or the female, the slave or the free. He said, God doesn't see any difference in those. Why? Because he sees this big old body of believers that Paul was trying to get us, that we can live together. We can live in peace together that we don't have to be disturbed about anybody. And he says, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you get down to the bottom of it, after Paul explains the different body parts and how we're one, and he says, God gives gifts to the body of Christ. He gives us wisdom, understanding, uh, words of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, faith. He gives all of these gifts so that we can function as a body. And then he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. And yet I show you a more excellent way. He said, even though all those things are good, this is the one thing that's going to make it work. And this is what Jesus Christ came to show us. And he goes at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31. And he said, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes right into what we call 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse one. And he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. One translation says, I'm a useless nobody. He says, nothing, everything that I have just said is all wiped away that if I don't know how to love. Why? Because that's what Jesus Christ came here to do. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, John 13, 34, that you love one another the way that I love you. Why is that so significant? Because under the old covenant, under the Mosaic law, they asked Jesus in Matthew 22, 36, they said, what is the greatest commandment in everything that Moses said? And Jesus said, well, what Moses was trying to convey to you all that you never got 
What the prophets were trying to say that you never understood was that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But the problem is you can't do that without me, that you tried to do that with willpower. You tried to do that through your own intellect, through your own, and you failed miserably. And so Jesus comes along and he says, let me switch this. It's not about how much you love God. Let me show you how much God loves you. Oh, that's good stuff. It's not about how much you love God. Let me show you how much God loves you, that he would send his only begotten son, that he would die on the cross for your sin. And now I don't want you to give God's love. I want you to respond to the love of God. Don't love him because you want to love him. Love him because he first loved you. Mm. Love him because he first loved you. Let your love to him be a response to the love that he has shown to you. Let the grace that you give be a response to the grace that he has given you. Amen. Let your forgiveness be a response to the forgiveness that he has given you. Let the mercy that you give to others be a response to the mercy that he's given to you. Let your understanding of people, understanding based on the understanding that he's given you. Everything that you do for God, even when you give money, let it be a response to the money that he's already blessed you with. Let everything that you do as a for God to show the light of God is a reflection of what God has done to you. God is not interested in what you can do for him. He wants you to recognize what he's already done for you. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, 3. He said that God has given us, he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we live our lives not trying to get anything from God, but to respond to the things that he has already given us. Why did he come? That's the question today. Is it just a free ticket to hell? No, 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 a thousand times no. He came to show us how to live a better life here on the earth. And all the things that he talked about were not to show you how to get to heaven, but to show you how to live with love on the earth, joy on the earth, peace on the earth. Glory to God. Patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. All these things, he said, I'm giving these things to you. I want to teach you how to live this on the earth. Loving your wife the way Christ loved the church. Where? Here you on the earth. All of this stuff is for earthly living. It is not so that you can one day say, well, you know, I must, <laughs> I, I've lived a terrible life here on earth, but at least I'm going to go to heaven. God said, that's, that's not why I sent my son. So that you can, so that you can live this jacked up life here on earth and then say, oh, well, you know, yeah, my life was jacked up. I lived a jacked up life. No, why? Because he wants you to be a witness. 
where here on earth, a witness to other people that they can model themselves after you. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Where? On the earth. Follow me as I follow Christ so that you can live a better life here on the earth. You, you notice when Jesus come, when Jesus came to the earth, all of the killing stopped. Yeah, amazing. All the stuff that they said God did stopped. Why? Because we now have God on the earth. And we don't have to go back and wonder, was this true or was that now true? Uh, we got the guy here. We got God walking the earth. And now we can know that here is an example of the heart of God, the, the, the purposes of God, the mind of God. We can have all of that. And the greatest, not the greatest, but one of the things that God has always given us was peace. And it wasn't peace after you hurt somebody. It was peace even in the midst of the storm. He said, you can have peace in the midst of the confusion. And even in the midst of people mistreating you, he says, I'm going to give you my peace. I leave with you, not as the world, but you can have peace in a world of confusion. And man, if you look on the news, it's that and go to the gas station. <laughs> Looks like there's confusion everywhere. But he said, even at that, I want you to know that I will steal. I don't care how much the gas prices go up. I want you to know that your God shall supply, Matthew 6, 33, all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And the previous verses before he said that was, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry how you're going to eat. Don't worry about how you're going to pay the bills. Don't worry about uh, anything that you can worry about. He said, don't worry about the gas prices. Why? Just seek me. What does that mean? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The, the Amplified says, seek ye first God's way of doing things. It says, seek ye first God's way of doing things. And then all these things will be added unto you. And that's what we're going to be talking. I can see right now, I'm not going to get too far into this. Uh, give me about 10 more minutes uh, that everything that Jesus did and taught was for earthly living. Matthew 22, 36, uh, he says that, oh, we already, we already covered that. Luke 4, 18, Jesus says this about why he came. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, actually he was quoting a prophecy from Isaiah when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. In, in fact, if, if you read the whole previous verses before Luke 4, 18, Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And, you know, uh, the, the, the scripture of the Old Testament was written in scrolls. And so they gave him the scroll to read Isaiah. And he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he opened up the scroll to where it was written. Isaiah wrote the spirit. And I'm reading this out of Luke 4, 18, where he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
That's where we should live on earth. He says to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, that that's what I came here to do. And this is what I want my followers to do. I want them to be able to show the brokenhearted the love of God. I want them to be able to express to those that have been wounded that he's a healer. Acts 10, 38 says how Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about the earth doing good. Again, he didn't hurt anybody, man. And this is a mind blower to stop thinking. If you can get out of your head that God is not punishing you. Never has, never did and never will that God is these are we are his creation we have been made genesis 1:26 and God said let us make man in our image and after our likeness that we have been made in the image of God and yet we have made our father a killer of his children and Jesus said God is not like that God is not like that God is not like that. But when we have been pounding it into people for hundreds and even thousands of years, that God is going to punish you. And, 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 and we said this so much that at the foundation of all of our theology is that the reason why we need Jesus is to do what? To end the suffering, to end the pain, to end, the, to, to get God to, to not, God, give us a break, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. And so God won't punish us. And God is like, I'm not interested in punishing you. That's why I have mercy. That's why I have grace. That's why I have forgiveness. That's why I have unconditional love for you, because I'm not interested in hurting you. And, and, and even now, even when things go bad in our lives and people look and say, man, I must be doing something wrong. I must be doing something wrong. Why? Because God is punishing me. I know I did something. I can't figure out what, what thing that I did that God would do this to me. You know, in John chapter 9, uh, verse 1, I, 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 yeah, in John chapter 9, because the Jews had this belief that has been passed on in Christian theology, that if something bad happened to you, it was because you did something bad. And they got that out of the old covenant, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, under the Mosaic law, says that if you would hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, then all these blessings would come unto you. In other words, they had this conditional blessing that if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, and obey his commandment, then you'll be blessed. Uh, Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And so this, this transactional we had relationship with God was that if you do this, then God will do this. If you do this, and then you get to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, it says, 15, believe through verse 64, man, it says that if you don't do what God tells you to do, then all of these curses will be coming upon you. All these curses will come upon you. All these curses will. So what you got was the Jews believe was based on how you treated God was determined how God would treat you. And so they come over here in John chapter nine. I'm about five minutes away. Uh, it, it, they, the, uh, guys, the story of the blind man. 
Remember the guy, Jesus put spit in his eyes and he went to the pool of Siloam and washed it out and he came up seeing. But before, when all of this started in John chapter nine, verse one, it says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why? Because if he was born blind, it has to be something that he did wrong. Was it him? Which is kind of a silly question to ask a person that was born. What did you do wrong? I mean, man, man, I've been in my, I've been in my mama's belly for the last nine months. What could I have done wrong? But you're trying to, you're so blind to what you're saying. You're asking me, what did I do wrong in my mother's womb that I was born blind? And they say, well, he said he did something wrong. This baby that he was born blind or his parents did something. But notice how Jesus answered this. Neither this man, I mean, uh, uh, John 9, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. They didn't do anything wrong that caused them to go blind. Medical science would say it was a defect, not because of sin, but that's at the core of our theology. It's got to be sin. And Jesus, all we need Jesus for is to overcome sin. No, Jesus said, that's not why this man was born blind. It had nothing to do with sin. But he says, we're going to use this occasion, but that he, uh, that but that the works of God should be revealed in it, should be revealed in him. And he said, look, a lot of things that happen on the earth that are bad have nothing to do with somebody doing something bad. But it's hard to get that out of our mentality when we have been told by church for hundreds and thousands of years that if something bad happens to you, it's because there's something that you did bad. And to believe that there is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness and unconditional love and that he has empathetic understanding toward us. It's hard for us to see that God because we've been blinded and clouded by hearing about this other God who's just mad, angry, always out to get you for something. And I just want you, faith cometh by hearing, if you can just keep listening and keep listening until we can wipe those veils off of your eyes. And Jesus came to show us, to let us see God for who he really is. Let, let me show you the God. Can I take the veil off? Can I take the blinders off? Because those people that you read about from Genesis to Malachi, those people walked around with blinders on. They never saw God for who he is. They walked around with a veil on their face. That's uh, not literally, but figuratively that, that, that they couldn't see God. But Jesus said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Why? And we talked about this last week, even with the understanding the Bible. How many of you know Jesus was around before the Bible? He's still around after the Bible. And we have this one book, and we're saying that this book understands everything about God 
before it was written. And it understands everything about God after we close the book in Revelation. No, it is Jesus that will help us understand the Bible. It, it really is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit because in the New Testament, Paul is not teaching us how to follow the right, the written word. Paul is teaching us how to follow the living word, the spirit of God that's living on the inside of you, because everything that Paul wrote was not something that he wrote, read in the written word. He read it. He got it from the living word that was living on the inside of him. And we said this last week, and he says that we are now to follow the spirit of God. The children of God are led by the spirit of God. And we now take the spirit of God to go back to the word of God so that we can understand the word of God. We don't read the word of God so that we can understand the spirit of God. Wrong approach. It's the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us that we can now go into the Bible and say, that's not God. That's the, the way they wrote that. That's not God. The way we understand that, that's not God. Why? Because the God, the same God that they're talking about lives on the inside of me and he's not a killing anybody. God, there's nothing on the inside of me that says, let's go wipe out a town and kill all the men, women, boys and girls, the dogs, the cats. Let's kill them all. The God in me won't. But what's the difference between the God in me and the God they wrote about in the Bible? Nothing. Nothing. Look, I'm out of time. Whew. I hope this has been a blessing to you. If you're watching me on YouTube, please subscribe. Tell other people about the Jay Stevens uh, podcast. I know some of the things that I say are challenging. I understand that. And, you know, some people want to be a crit. I understand. We, we generally criticize things we don't understand. I, I get it. I get it. But you cannot grow in the things of God without change. And that's changing your mind and it's changing how you see things. That's the, that's the whole beauty of following Jesus Christ. This new creation, it also gives you a new way of looking at God, a new way of understanding God. And it's constantly growing. And as you grow in God, you have to change your mind about some things that you previously thought were true. And that's the way God wants to take. The problem is that the gatekeepers who, who've already decided that they've got it, we don't need to know anything else. And if you say anything different than what we already know, you the one that's wrong and you the one got the problem. Well, I'm in pretty good company. <laughs> they said that to Jesus. They said that to the apostle Paul. They say that to, they said that to Martin Luther. They said that to anybody who was saying anything different than what was already established. And those people, bless their hearts, you know, they, they, they don't even want to listen to what you have to say because they are stuck in saying the way I see it and the way I believe it is the way it is. And that's God love them, man. And Go ahead. But you got to go with what you know, because to follow God, we don't check here as much as we check the God on the inside of us. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And again, this is the Pastor Jay podcast. If you this has been a blessing to you, uh, please, if you're on uh 
uh, Facebook, like and share, uh, leave a positive comment, leave a positive comment, leave a positive comment, please. And uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, please uh, subscribe to our channel. We're here every Thursday morning at 1030 a.m. Some of you may be watching it. Uh, what is today? Today is May the 11th, uh, 2022. You might be watching this in May of 2025. I don't know. But whenever you're watching, I hope this has been a blessing to you, cause you to think, cause you to grow, and cause you to want to go further in the things of God. Let me pray with you. Father, I just thank you and praise you for all those that have come to hear your word today. Uh, I thank you and praise you that something has been said to stir us up, to cause us to grow, to cause us to have the desire that Paul had, that we want to know you and the power of your resurrection. We want you to continue to reveal yourself to us as we can handle it, as we can understand it. Lord, keep revealing. We want to know. And I thank you and praise you for all those that are listening that want to know and they want to go further in understanding. And Father, help us to understand that your son came here to show us a new and living way of how we can have victorious lives here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I love you so much. And uh, you know what we do. We'll be back here next Thursday morning, 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, God bless, love you, and we'll see you next time.